This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, October 6, 2021, and today will be better than yesterday. Producing from his home studio in the foothills of Connecticut is Taylor Schwink. I'm Buster only in a hotel in Boston just outside of Fenway Park. What a great atmosphere last night, and what a huge win for the Red Sox, Taylor. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. I mean, the, the fans back in there, the place was buzzing. Uh, you know, we, ha- we had that historical kind of controversial play that we, we thought might occur. And Buster, no matter what we say on the podcast today, no matter, no matter what we say at all, the most important thing is that you called that Anthony Rizzo short pole home run. You friggin' nailed it. I'm uh, Matty V. He, he pointed it out on the broadcast. I tweeted it out. It, it doesn't matter. You are, you are a savant, sir. That is uh, that, that's the biggest story for today. Uh, it was fun. I got to say, you know, you, you talk about it. We talk about a thousand things and, 90, right. you know, 99% of them are wrong. But that was fun, <laughs> uh, fun yesterday. But you just had that feeling it was going to it was going to uh, that at some point Rizzo was going to wrap something around that pole. But for the Yankees, it just didn't matter because Garrett Cole wasn't very good. And we'll be getting into that today uh, with Dave Schoenfield. A lot of news was made outside of Boston yesterday. Max Muncy won't be available for Wednesday's National League wildcard game against the Cardinals or the ensuing division series against the Giants. Here's Dodgers manager Dave Roberts giving an update on Muncy. There's not a uh, UCL tear. It's not going to require surgery. Still trying to hold out a glimmer of hope that uh, he'll be able to join us. Uh, later on in the postseason, so um, I don't know what that really means, but I do know that he's been known to heal quickly, and he's determined to try to come help us in any way he can, so I don't want to close the door completely on that. The Dodgers today will face Adam Wainwright of the St. Louis Cardinals, and Wainwright talked about his unusual postseason career. Funny thing about my postseason career is a lot of the good games I've pitched, we didn't win, and my two biggest complete chokes, we, we won both of them, so... That doesn't mean I'm going to go out tomorrow and do that on purpose. But it is interesting how baseball works sometimes. You know, just you can never can never get too comfortable in any lead against these great teams you play in the postseason. Here's Nolan Arenado, the Cardinals' third baseman. The Dodgers got good pitching, so, you know, you got to find a way to fight against them. And their offense is really good, too. They, they feel the same way probably about them where they can, you know, clip you or, you know, work on a bat. So their offense is really good, but we're pretty steady, too. And uh, we could play defense and uh, – I really like our chances, and uh, it's not going to be an easy task at all, but uh, I feel confident in our group. So you can always tell when Max Scherzer's adrenaline's going because his answers to questions get shorter. Here's Max Scherzer yesterday talking about playing the wild card game. Uh, No. Uh, Look, you you have to win your division. We didn't win our division. Um, There's no crying in baseball. So we're in second place. We're in the wild card game. He talked about wanting to win another title. As awesome it was to be able to win one, you definitely want to win it again. And that's what you play the game for, is to be able to win the World Series. Uh, it starts tomorrow, uh, of, and we have to win tomorrow. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, so it's going to have to take an incredible effort uh, in order to be able to get through this first game. And he talked about how the Dodgers and the Cardinals are both playing well. You know, going into a postseason, so much is about rhythm and how you're playing and the momentum you have as a team. And so you look over the past, you know, kind of week, 10 days of how we've been playing. We've been playing really good baseball. So, you know, with all that said, you know, you can kind of throw all that out the window because, you know, the Cardinals were doing the same thing as well. In other news from other series, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff will start for the Brewers in games one and two of their division series against the Braves, Charlie Morton and Max Freed. Shane McClanahan 
will start game one of the American League Division Series for the Tampa Bay Rays on Thursday night. Shane Boz will start game two. Uh, Framber Valdez will start for the Astros in game two of the Division Series against the White Sox. Lance McCullers Jr. will start game one. Well, we talked about it. The big game last night, the American League wildcard game, the Red Sox and the Yankees, Fenway Park. And in the bottom of the first inning, Xander Bogarts came to the plate against Garrett Cole. Swing, there's a shot to center field. That's deep. That's high. That is way back there. That is gone. Xander Bogarts crushes one into the bleachers in center. And the Boston Red Sox have taken a 2-0 lead against Garrett Cole. That was Dave O'Brien on ESPN Radio. The Red Sox extended their lead in the bottom of the third. Here's the kick and the 1-2. Swing and a high fly ball right field. That's deep. Judges back. Track. Wall. Gone. Well, yeah, he can take ball four, but he can do that too. He can hit it to the moon. And just spanked one to right off of Garrett Cole to put the Red Sox in the lead. Three to nothing. Incredibly. The second career homer for Schwarber in a wild card game against Garrett Cole. And look, when Garrett Cole is right and he throws a high fastball, no hitters getting to it. Schwarber got on top of it above the strike zone and hit a monstrous home run. So it was three, nothing. Cole was not very good. Nathan Avaldi, on the other hand, was great for the Red Sox. Avaldi nods his head. He winds quick pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. He sets down Agashioke, gets them in order. Seven strikeouts for Nathan Avaldi. As he's shutting out the Yankees to this point, we are in the middle of inning number five. It remains 3-0 Boston. Here was the home run by Anthony Rizzo in the top of the sixth inning. Here's Rizzo now, another left-hand stick. He's 0 for 2, a strikeout, and a ground at the first the pitch. Swing and a high drive deep down the right field line. Headed toward the pesky pole. That's a shot, and that's gone. That is a home run for Anthony Rizzo. And he puts the Yankees on the board. That makes it a 3-1 game. The Boston lead down to 2. But then came the turning point in the game. Aaron Judge was at first base. Giancarlo standing at the plate. Swing and there's a shot driven toward the wall. High and deep to left. It is off the monster. Bounces back to the center fielder, Hernandez. Trying to score Judge. Here's the throw home. The tag. He's out at home. The Red Sox cut him down. On the relay, Aaron Judge nailed at the plate. The rest of the Boston offense was produced by Alex Verdugo in plate appearances in the sixth and seventh inning. Here's the 2-1. Swing and a fly ball hooked down the right field line toward the pesky pole. That's a fair ball. It caroms off the sidewall. That's going to bring in a run. Here comes Bogarts. The throw home is late. And he scores standing up down to second Verdugo. And the Red Sox take a 4-1 lead. Green's pitch. Swing and a line drive, base hit, left center field. In to score Schwarber, right behind him, Kike Hernandez. Play at second, here's the tag, and he's out. Verdugo cut down, that is out number three, but both runs come in to score. And the Red Sox now take a 6-1 to one lead. Gary Whitlock came on to throw the ninth inning. The pitch swung on and a fly ball into right field, that should do it. Renfro under, makes the catch. And the Boston Red Sox have buried the ghost of 1978. They have won the American League wild card, eliminating their ancient rivals. 
They beat the Yankees by a final score of 6-2. to two. After the game, I talked with Xander Bogarts in front of the Red Sox dugout. I feel like playing at home. Uh, it plays right off in, into, our, into our advantage. You know, uh, we like playing here. The crowd was in it. I mean, it was, uh, Devers was telling me it's, it's been the loudest that he's heard it in a while, you know. And uh, I think the crowd got us going. Uh, I mean, I mean, Nate, Nate, we got we to gotta give a lot of credit to him. Just keeping their offense off balance and then giving us a chance to look some runs. Now, you've been struggling a little bit coming into this game. A lot, a lot. How did you work through that at first plate appearance? as much hits as I, as I would want and as, as much as people would want, you know. Uh, I continue to trust myself. There's no one uh, puts a lot of, there's no one that suspects a lot from themselves like I do, you know. And, uh, I mean, I just feel like being able to contribute to the team, that's, that's been, uh, it's been a very special feeling uh, this game for today. For sure. A pivotal play in this game. You throw out Aaron Judge at home plate. Walk us through that. Hey, defense, man. You know, I don't get talked a lot about that, you know. It's always hitting, so, uh, getting a guy out at home because you know that game changed right there to be honest with you uh if that run scored a guy on second base the momentum would have changed right there so uh i mean our outfit is definitely one of the best and then kiko gave me a good relay and i got the guy out at home it, it was a great win in general what do you think this means to alex cora i mean it means a lot man just i can't imagine what he went through last year to be honest with you uh not being able to be around us not being able to be around the field uh have to be sitting at home uh it must have sucked, man, and obviously uh, I'm, I'm very close to him. I'm very thankful for him for uh, all that he's taught me throughout these years, you know, and making me, making me a better player. I also spoke with Nathan Abaldi. No, it was awesome, you know, I mean, they were able to get to me last time. I was able to turn the page, and, you know, uh, you know, Bogey got it going. He able to put up two runs early, and, I mean, anytime we can score early on Cole, I mean, it's going to be big for us. And we had quality at-bats, and, uh, you know, after we scored, it was just attack, attack, attack from that point on. Cora told us before the game that after you gave up the seven runs and two and two thirds, he said, we learned a lot from that game. What did you learn? You know, they were jumping on the heaters away, you know, so tonight my game plan was to attack them hard with the fastballs in early to establish that, get that going in their mind, and then I was able to attack, uh, you know, use the off the second time around and keep them, you know, kind of keep them guessing. You touched on this, Bogart's two-run homer in the first inning. How much did that mean for you? It was huge, you know, I mean, Devers worked a good, uh, good at bat, he ended up getting a walk, and Bogey made him pay for it, so, you know, again, anytime we can put up runs, it's uh, trying to get these guys back in the dugout as fast as possible so they can keep doing their thing. Give us your perspective, what you saw where Judge gets thrown out at home. It was unbelievable. The relay, I mean, Sand hit a good pitch, and, uh, you know, Kike's out there, to be, there. He's backing up the play right there, and, I mean, a clean relay, and, I mean, it was awesome right there. It was perfect. It's exactly what we needed. Garrett Cole spoke with reporters about his tough night. Garrett, why do you think you were not effective tonight? You know, just a couple of big mistakes, and and obviously the Bogarts big situation, and um, you know, big mistake to to Schwarber. Aaron mentioned the fact that you obviously had battled COVID, then you had the hamstring issue. Just did you feel like that had an effect on you, the end of the season, and and at all tonight? At the end of the season, we're all going through and wearing whatever we've had to, you know overcome to get to this point you know the other team's dealing with same kind of situation so you know when it's all said and done I didn't perform the way I wanted to perform tonight 
Can you describe the disappointment you're feeling not getting the job done? Sick to my stomach. Alex Gore, the Red Sox manager, talked about the top of his batting order. You know, I think the, the top of the order was amazing today. It's what they do. It's what they do. It doesn't matter who's playing, who's not playing. We, we're going to show up and we're going to play. And regardless of the result, we're going to be happy with the way we go out of our, our business. Sometimes it looks horrible. But, uh, you know, 93 times this year, it hasn't looked horrible. So we're going to keep rolling. So before yesterday's game, I was talking with Brett Gardner and Aaron Boone walked over and, and Brett Gardner made reference to the fact, he said, oh, this year has flown by. And he was just kidding because the Yankees have had such a roller coaster year. Uh, some ups, a lot of downs. Aaron Boone seemed to make reference to that after the game. Guys are crushed, you know. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we've been in this position where, you know, fortunately, we've, we've been in the playoffs every year, but hasn't ended how we wanted, obviously. And tonight was another tough one to <clears throat> tough one to take. And we've been through a lot of wars with guys in that room. And, you know, we got a, a lot of scars. So guys are bummed. <laughs> guys are, you pour a lot into this. And I, I guess my message is, you know, first of all, I'm always, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to be able to compete with, with that group of guys. And one of the things I'm most proud of with this team this year is this was a challenging year not an easy year for us and you know when we had to play well the final two months and really compete at a high level i thought we did that and put ourselves in a position and gave ourselves a chance to be in this game with an opportunity to do something special in october so i love the way we've competed and showed up the last couple of months his contract is set to expire and he addressed the question of whether he'll return as yankees manager I mean, obviously, you know, my contract's up and, uh, you know, I haven't had any conversations with anyone about that. So we'll see, you know, uh, there's, you know, I love being here. I love going to work with this group and love going to work with this group of players. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Buster, before we move on, we have to mention that tonight's NL wildcard game will be on ESPN Radio. That's between the Dodgers and the Cardinals. Tune-in time is 7.30 p.m. Eastern for full coverage. And then when you're done watching that game and you hit the hay, the next morning you can turn on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., Monday through Friday. You can watch them on ESPN News obviously listen to them on the radio or you can catch them wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are headed into week six of college football. You should be listening to the ESPN college football podcast today. Kevin Nagandi, Booker McFarlane, they are doing their midweek bit. They're, they're assigning their DEFCON numbers. I think Booger McFarlane is pretty down on LSU at the moment. So be sure to check that out. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. 
when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show! Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, mate. Welcome to the show. Whoa! Welcome to the show, baby. You're in the show with David Schoenfield. David Schoenfield, who covers baseball for ESPN. And woof, Dave, a lot of emotion in Fenway Park last night. Uh, you know, I first off, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Uh, yeah, how fun was it to have playoff baseball with a packed stadium? You know, I think we almost took for granted, you know, how fun that is, how exciting. Uh, maybe not so exciting for Yankees fans last night, though. Yeah, I don't think you would mind if I tell the story. But uh, in the middle of the game, Eric Neander, the the uh, you know head of baseball ops for the Rays, texts me, and 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 it was like getting a text from my 17 year old son in terms of his enthusiasm. He was like, "Hey, what's the atmosphere like? How great is it that the you know the place is packed right now?" Uh, it, it was fun. I, you know, I grew up as I you know talked about in Central Vermont. Uh, as a Lakers fan, and I always used to love the Lakers and Celtics games when they would play in old Boston Garden, because as the ball was being dribbled down the court, whether it's, you know, Dennis Johnson or Magic Johnson, uh, there would always be this underlying grumbling, like this tension that you could hear from the crowd. And I noticed that like just before first pitch last night, like there was that tension in that game, uh, you know, and the, the fans were into it. You know, Xander Bogarts hits the home run right after Giancarlo Stanton barely misses hitting a home run. Uh, what a night for the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really played a perfect game. And, you know, watching it on TV, it looked like the fans were standing throughout the game. Um, and you're right, Fenway, even though it only seats 38,000, it always seems a lot louder compared to some other stadiums. I don't know if it's the way the park is built. The sound just kind of hovers over there when it's a big game. And uh, I think it helped the Red Sox, you know, home field advantage. We sometimes dismiss that in baseball, but I think it helped a little bit. Yeah. I asked uh, Alex Rodriguez, you know, during the broadcast last night about that, uh, you know, how much of a factor he thought that that Xander Bogart's giving him a quick 2-0 lead was. And he said, yes, especially when you're on the road. And it felt like that, you know, Xander Bogart's really struggled down the stretch in his last nine games, didn't have a single extra base hit. Uh, you know, he had like 156, I think it was in those last nine games. But I had Red Sox people telling me he's the type of guy uh, between his acumen, you know, guy knows four languages, 
um, you know, great understanding and also the, his athleticism, he can make rapid adjustments. And, and uh, one of their staffers said to me, look, he, he could, he could completely get back his swing within one or two pitches. And he comes out big impact on Garrett Cole last night. Yeah. And, and Bogarts, he's such a good hitter. So consistent. Yep. He never seems to go into these long slumps. And, but let's admit it, Buster, that pitch from Garrett Cole Two one change up right down the middle, probably one of the worst pitches he's thrown all year. And to Bogarts' credit, he did not miss it. I got to say, you know, looking at social media this morning, I'm seeing a lot of fire Aaron Boone and fire Brian Cashman. Uh, you know, reaction to them losing that game last night, and I'm I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders, saying it, it, it's not very difficult to define what happened last night. Garrett Cole stunk. Yeah, I mean that, that he was just really bad. Yeah, no, I, I I was on a text chain. My brother-in-laws, or at least one of them and his son, are big Yankees fans, and that's what they're asking me. Do you fire Boone? Do you fire Cashman? I Look, no. Aaron Boone, I know. He doesn't have a contract. You can't blame him. Look, the Yankees this year, they were 10th in the American League in runs scored. They scored fewer runs than Cleveland, so these offensive problems didn't just manifest itself Last night, that was their offense all year, up and down. That's not Aaron Boone's fault. You want to look at, Cash, you know, blame Cashman. Was the lineup too right-handed? You know, did he think he still had the team from 2019 that was an offensive powerhouse? But, yeah, no doubt, Brian Cashman, the offseason, is going to have to look at how to improve that lineup. I said on the broadcast last night um, that, uh, you know, talked about how when Garrett Cole arrived in Yankees camp for the first time, how um, you know, he embraced all of it, all right? Being the ace, all the responsibility that came with, you know, being the highest paid pitcher in history. And he talked about, you know, I can't wait for the postseason, uh, you know, games against the Red Sox, all of it. And, and by the way, he was completely sincere and completely genuine. Um, the Now, as we move forward, though, after having a game like that, boy, that's going to be a, a mountain to overcome for him. And that's just the reality of it. If you're going to be that guy yep. and have that contract in New York and you have a game like that in a winner-take-all game, that's going to be something that he's going to have to overcome. Uh, Matt Fiskirchen, I, I, you know, I liked his response to that when he immediately asked Alex, look, you had that. You know, you had to overcome that. Um, we've seen other players in other markets have the same thing. When you're that guy uh, and you come up and throw a stinker like that or have a bad game, that that's he's going to it's going to take him a while to live that down because we don't even know when he's going to have the next opportunity for a moment like that. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And, you know, I'd advise him maybe go talk to like a Clayton Kershaw, different markets. Right. You know, the fans are obviously more laid back in L.A., but Kershaw after year after year of those dominant regular seasons and then struggling in the postseason. But every year he'd come back and even though he had to prove himself in October, he would still go out there and have a great regular season. And that's what Garrett Cole's going to have to do. Put the postseason behind him, pitch great from April to September, and then hope you get another chance next October. But it, it, it's a hard one to wash out. That's for sure. Uh, it occurred to me as I was watching uh, Cole pitch last night, uh, you know, the words uh, reverberating my brain were from pitching coaches through the years that I spoke with. And they talk about a guy throwing free and easy, like easy velocity. Garrett Cole, to me, in my you know untrained eye, 
he looked completely the opposite. Everything was a grind. In fact, you know, as I thought back on it and thinking about how he was spraying his fastball all over the place, there were a couple of times when he came high and inside to the hitter. And on, on, upon reflection, I kind of wonder if he didn't do that on purpose. Like he just didn't really have great command. He wasn't sharp with any pitch. There was nothing explosive coming out of his hand. No, and you know, you compare that to Nathan Evaldi, where every four seamer seemed yes. to be right on the corner. You know, in Cole, I know he injured that hamstring in early September, struggled his last four starts. I don't know if something's going on there. He's never gonna, you know, admit to it. Um, if that was an issue, I know Aaron Boone during the game said there was no physical problem, but they're not going to say that. They're not going to make an excuse. But you do wonder, yeah, with the way he was grinding down the stretch, if there was a little bit of a lingering hamstring issue there, I don't know. I'm glad you uh, you, you turned into Evaldi. Um, you know, I get asked, you get asked all the time, you know, who do you root for? And my answer is always, I, I don't care who wins. I root for good things to happen to good people. And Nathan Evaldi is one of those guys. He's one of my favorite guys. He's such a good person. Uh, on our Zoom call with Alex Cora before the game yesterday, he talked about how Avaldi is in the middle of everything on the team, the Jimmy Fund contributions, uh, you know, stuff going uh, on among players, uh, you know, the running sense of humor. Um, and he has just always had this great humility about him. Uh, I've heard nothing about uh, other than, he is a tremendous teammate. And Seth Levinson, his agent, told me a great story about Evaldi when he got that $68 million contract with the Red Sox. Now, this is after years of injuries, um, reaching out to, to, uh, to Nathan to tell him, hey, um, this is what the offer from the Red Sox is. It's a life-changing amount of money. And Evaldi, who's very understated, was like, oh, that, that's great. And Seth asked him, what are you doing right now? And he was on the roof of his house putting on Christmas tree lights. <laughs> And, and he was like, um, hey, can you get off the roof? <laughs> you can pay someone else to do that now, okay? But that's Nathan Avaldi. And so, you know, after the game, when we started the post-game interview, I, I mentioned it to him, like, you know, really excited for you that you get to have this moment. He just had the biggest grin. And you could just see how happy he was for the other guys in that team. He was electric. Yeah, you know, I think back to, you know, that 2018 World Series when he had that relief appearance in that 18-inning game. He threw 97 pitches. I forget how many days he was working on, two days of rest. But you'll know this. Remember, they lost that game. But when he came into the clubhouse, his teammates gave him a standing ovation. And I remember Alex Cora saying, that's when we knew we were going to win the World Series. Even though we lost that game, that performance just lifted the entire, you know, pitching staff. And obviously they went on to win in five games. Yeah, you know, look, the guy's overcome two Tommy John surgeries in his career, other injuries, and, you know, he was one of the best starters in the AL this year. He's really pitching better than he ever has. So he had a great night. Kyle Schwarber had a great night with that, uh, the swings that he had, hitting the home run. I, You know, my take officially that, you know, the Red Sox made his mistake by not going for Rizzo and instead settling on Schwarber, that turned out to be really brilliant last yeah. night in the ways we went down the stretch. Uh, you know, she has a great night. Phil Nevin, Yankees third base coach. There's no getting around it. That was a, that was a terrible send. Uh, and look, I've known Nev for a long time. I was talking with him with Carl Ravitch for about uh, 20 minutes before the game yesterday behind the batting cage. Um, I, I didn't see any quotes from him this morning, but I know him well enough to know that he probably didn't sleep. 
and yeah. that he knows what a mistake it was. And, you know, there was some debate on social media about, you know, was that uh, was that a good send? Was that a bad send? With one out, it's a terrible send. You can't have a runner thrown out at home plate by 10 feet the way that Aaron Judge was thrown out by when you're down a couple runs. You agree? Yeah, no, I agree. And that's kind of the general rule at Fenway, right? When that ball's off the green monster, you do not take the extra base, you know, because it's such a short relay throw. Yeah, give Kike Hernandez credit for backing it up. The relay was okay. You know, I know people are talking like this is the greatest relay throw ever. No, they executed an easy relay throw. Bogarts made a nice throw. It wasn't particularly on target, but Judge was still out by 10 feet. So, yeah, it was a bad send in that situation. And I don't know if it was factoring in that you have Joe Gallo on deck and he strikes out so much, but nonetheless, you got to re- count on your guys to come through. You can't force the action, and, and Phil Nevin did in that case. Well, and that's – look, if you're going to put Joey Gallo in that spot in the lineup, then you have to trust him. Yeah. You know, I actually asked Aaron Boone that question before the game. Hey, because uh, I know he's aware of the the conversation. Why would you back up Stanton with Gallo? Because you know that uh, opposing teams are going to pitch around Stanton, which, by the way, didn't happen last night. Um, but if that was a, f- a factor at all in their thinking in that moment of, of Nev's thinking in that moment, then he shouldn't have been in the cleanup spot. Um, they should have had somebody else in the cleanup spot if it was that much of a weakness. But I, I think he just misread the play. Uh, and I'm, you know, the next time I talk to him, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, see what he says. I would disagree with my, my uh, colleague, Alex Rodriguez, who last night was saying, you know, Nevin had a bad call. True. Uh, and he talked about Carlos Fabulous making a great call, sending home a runner on the ball, hitting the corner. I thought Carlos Febles got, got, as we all do from time to time, sort of got caught up in the moment, wasn't yeah. quite sure what to do to the degree that when I saw the, the replay of, of, of Carlos, he, he like went from send to stop to send yeah. and he was moving and it was like this little dance that he was doing. And I thought to myself, I know Alex Kors sense of humor. At some point he's going to bring back that video in a team meeting and show all the players and everyone is going to have a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And look, part of this too, you know, uh, Aaron, Judge, you have a kind of by the time he was around in third base was carrying a piano. Right. You know, so, <laughs> uh, judge first to second runs pretty well for a guy that big, but, uh, maybe going first to home, you know, not quite as well, but, uh, yeah, you know, where Bogarts, I think was the runner in that play, you know, he scored, you know, what ended up being pretty easily, but Buster, I want to ask you, Alex core. I think back to that playoff run in 2018 where every pitching change he made that postseason worked and he had everything so programmed out. And that's what I saw last night. Yep. Baldy sailing along, but he knew that third time through the order, heart of the lineup, he was going to pull him if he gave up a base runner. And that's what he did last night. And it worked out with help from that relay throw. But I just started thinking, man, is Alex Corey going to have another October where every pitching change works out? Yeah. Uh, Ryan Brazier, you know, the, his circle of trust right now doesn't feel that broad. No. <laughs> like he's got a, he's got a few guys, uh, you know, obviously Whitlock has been terrific this year and he's the guy who winds up getting the the final outs in the game last night. How uh, ter- terrific at Ryan Brazier, you know, I, I think is sneaky underrated. And I heard a great story about him last night, which you'll appreciate. And I have not asked him about this, so I, I just want to make that perfectly clear. But I've heard that when he goes into a game, he basically 
is yelling, either literally yelling or in his mind yelling at everyone in the ballpark, F you. <laughs> in other words, his mindset coming out is, you know, the heck with the world. Yeah. I'm going to get this job done. And I heard that story and I just laughed because to me, that's classic reliever, short reliever. Yeah, I remember he'd come out of nowhere in 2018, yeah. the last two months of the year, had a great postseason, uh, you know, injured most of this year. He's barely pitched, but came back the last couple of weeks of the year and he was throwing, what, 96 last night. And clearly he wanted Brazier to face those big guys with his fastball slider combo. So, you know, that Red Sox bullpen really struggled, you know, at times this year. So Brazier is going to be a key guy. And he's clearly climbed the pecking order, say, ahead of Matt Barnes, um, who was an all-star in the first half and then kind of fell apart. So Ryan Brazier is going to be a big, big key in this in the rest of this postseason. Cora's competitiveness, I, I think, is really uh, also underrated. Uh, and we saw bits and pieces of that with his reaction uh, to what was going on last night. I experienced it earlier this year. Uh, when Chris Sale tested positive for COVID, when the, the Red Sox were having that outbreak, and it felt like every day we're hearing about two or three guys going down, and then it's Chris Sale, and I texted Alex, you know, I worked with at ESPN, you worked with at ESPN, and say, man, that stinks, you know, and boy, another another guy, kind of thing, just, you know, empathizing with the situation, and within 0.2 seconds, Dave, I get a text back, we'll be fine. <laughs> and it was curt and it was direct. And I could see, you know, feel that on the other side, because about a minute and a half later, he sent another text that said, Hey, thanks for the thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the initial thing was, we'll be, we're going to find a way. And that's Alex's personality, yeah. you know, and, and I, they, they will absolutely be underdogs going into the series against the Rays. I think the Rays are a better team. I picked them to win the world series uh, Alex is not going to believe that Alex is going to believe they're going to find a way. What do you see in that series coming up? Yeah. I mean, the key is going to be that young Tampa Bay starting pitching, you know, not that they're expected to go deep into the game, uh, but you got Shane McClanahan starting game one. He's a rookie Shane Baz in game two. He's a rookie, <laughs> probably drew Rasmussen. Who's not a rookie, but came into the years this year with 15 innings under his belts. And then Luis Patino is going to be kind of probably one of the long men. He's a rookie. So that's an unbelievably young rotation that they're relying on. Um, and that's sort of the question mark. Can those guys pitch deep enough to get to, you know, their, you know, 28 relievers down there in the bullpen. All right. Uh, National League wild card game tonight. We've got the Cardinals against the Dodgers. We've talked about the matchup of Wainwright uh, versus Max Scherzer. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think most people of course believe the Dodgers, uh, you know, are the favorites in this game. Las Vegas certainly believes it. And we'll get to that in a moment. What are you seeing in tonight's game and, and who do you think starts at first base for the Cardinals? Or yeah, the that's a really interesting question. We haven't seen Dave Roberts lineup yet as we uh, record this. Do they play Albert Pujols? Do they play Cody Bellinger? I think you might've mentioned this on the podcast the other day, Pujols can't hit high velocity, but Adam Wainwright tops out about 90 these days. So I think you might see Albert Pujols at, at first base, you know, look, Cody Bellinger for all his struggles, he's, he's not a lot to play. He might play center field. He's the best center fielder on that team. Um, so I'll be real curious. My, my gut says he might go with Albert Pujols and hope he runs into a hanging curveball or something. 
I mentioned the uh, the Vegas odds. The favorite to win the World Series, uh, according to Caesar's Sportsbook, the Dodgers. Even though they have to go through this wild card game, they're plus three seventy five. The Astros plus four seventy five. The Rays are plus six fifty. Giants are six seventy five. White Sox seven fifty. Brewers plus eight hundred. I think that's insane, Dave. Yeah. That the Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series. I agree because you got to factor in this game, and yeah, on paper they look like they should win, but it's still ultimately a coin flip game. Two points. Max Scherzer, his last two starts, for what it's worth, he was bad. Ten innings, seventeen hits, um, eleven runs. And remember, Adam Wainwright faced the Dodgers in early September. It was actually the first game of that seventeen-game win streak, and he pitched into the ninth inning in that game. So. He handled this lineup, you know, earlier in, in September. So, and that Cardinals bullpen's been hot. So there's no reason Wainwright can't go six innings or five innings, turn it over to, you know, your relief core, and they can win this game. Absolutely. It was fun being at the game last night and being part of the coverage, but I got to say, I'm really looking forward to just sitting back on the couch tonight <laughs> <laughs> and watching Adam Wainwright and Max Scherzer pitch. Dave, thanks for doing this. You bet, Buster. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's code baseball. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. You got something for me, Buster, to start off with? I, I do. Uh, I have a postscript to that uh, story about Debbie, the mutant fence-busting cow with the shortened tail. Um, a couple of my siblings, uh, I texted them uh, some of the response that we were getting uh, yesterday on social media to that story, uh, and they reminded me about something I, had, I, I was either not aware of or had completely forgotten. Uh, I mentioned that when Debbie was born, uh, her mom, Dana, uh, mistook her tail for the umbilical cord and bit off her tail, so she had like a, you know, like a four-inch tail. Well, when Debbie's first calf was born, she bit off that calf's tail, her (laughs) daughter's tail as well. 
So there's something in that DNA where they didn't get quite the umbilical cord thing right, you know? Uh, cl- classic family story there. Multi-generational. That, that would make a great little novella. That is hilarious. <laughs> People were having a lot of fun with that on Twitter yesterday. I told my, my father-in-law that, uh, the whole cow thing, and he belly laughed. Like, I don't think I've ever heard him belly laugh. He thought it was absolutely hysterical. Uh, let's get on to the tweets here. Andrew Campbell uh, at By the way, yeah. I told Bucky Dent that story too yesterday when I was waiting to interview him during oh. the third inning. I uh, told him that story and he laughed. And I said, I was rooting against you, Bucky. I got to say, I was rooting hard against your team that day. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you got to share that with him. It all yeah. comes full circle. Uh, Andrew Campbell writes in, Hey, Buster, is the New York Yankees 2021 campaign the most disappointing single season outcome for a franchise in the last 10 years? Wow, that is a big statement from Andrew. What do you think? No, I, I mean, look, yeah, is it disappointing because the Yankees and the standard is to win the World Series and they weren't as good as what people thought. When I think of 2021, I think the season for the Padres and the Mets is up far more disappointing because mm-hmm. they didn't even make the postseason. Do you agree? Oh, yeah. They, the didn't, even, they didn't even play 500 ball. I got to say, the Yankees haven't had a losing season in 30 years. <laughs> Uh, Yankees fans, Red Sox fans can be a little delusional at times as, uh, you know, where things stand <laughs> with their success. Paul Hagen Hedgen writes in at Paul KPIX. The real shock of the AL wildcard game isn't that the Red Sox beat the Yankees. It's that the game took less than four hours, which is, is certainly notable. And uh, I unfortunately had to catch up on this game on DVR and I crushed it in about an hour, 40 minutes. And I'm sure you were glad uh, being a working man last night that it was uh, efficient. It had a nice pace to it. I got to say, that game had a nice pace to it. I don't know what the the final time was, but I didn't care because it just had a nice pace to it. Melvin Reveron at Reveron. Melvin writes in, I read the New York Times article about Albert Pujols. Is Pujols considering managing after he retires? Do you think he'd be a good manager? Um, I think of Albert Pujols as someone who has a lot of interest in his life. And if he were to decide he wanted to leave baseball, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if out, and I've always gotten along well, fine with Albert, uh, you know, well with him. I enjoy talking with him. Uh, if he were a close friend and he wanted to manage, I would give him a piece of advice, which I think would be really important during his career. Like a lot of competitive people, you remember Kobe Bryant used to do this. Michael Jordan used to do this. Uh, I remember when I covered the Yankees, Roger Clemens used to do this. He would find a reason to not like somebody (laughs) because he was competing as that person. And I think Albert's done that during his career. He would need to get past that, right? Because you got 25, 26 guys in your clubhouse, different personalities. He would need to get past that. And and I, I think he would understand exactly what I was talking about when I would mention that to him. Tom Striegel at TJ Striegel writes, and after seeing my beloved Nats dismantled at the trade deadline, Scherzer and Turner go on to success with the Dodgers. Trey beat Soto for the batting title. What chances do you give Mr. National Ryan Zimmerman returning for a curtain call season? He got that curtain call in the last game of the regular season, but do you think he'll be back in Washington? It felt like at the end, yeah, uh, watching that, you know, the way he responded, the way the fans responded, um, I have not asked him about that. If he were to retire, it would not be a surprise. PK Steinberg, our guy writes in at PK Steinberg, Taylor, you buster all the guests and the hashtag bleacher tweets are companions on my ride home from work every day. I never notice traffic and lights and such though. I abide by them because the content is always so good. Thank you. We're going to be patting ourselves on the bat back here a little bit, buster. Uh, we love these nice tweets that, that everyone's sending in. So thank you, PK. 
Yeah, absolutely, PK, and and thank you for you know taking the time to write in uh, write in all your tweets. Uh, you <laughs> are definitely one of the superstars of the pod from PK. Uh, Phil Gordon at Earl of Surrey Hill writes in. Thank you for the regular season. I've listened to the listened to every podcast in spring training. Remember the Kookaburras? I forgot about those. It's been yeah. my skate for forty five minutes each day as Sydney's been locked down since June. Who do you think makes the World Series? Good question from Phil. I got the Rays and I got the Brewers. And it was a great night for the Red Sox last night. I don't think they're getting past the Rays. All right. And uh, you know what? I'm going to throw one last one in here from JCM at Straight Edger 88. Uh, JCM writes in, can you explain how the postseason roster moves work? And if the wild card games are exempt from them, i.e. the Red Sox moves prior to the world, the wild card game, moving sale and others to the quote unquote minors. Uh, well, they they have to No, They're just inactive. Um, you know, they have, um, they can pick among anyone on their 40 man roster, uh, to be on the, you know, on the major league roster. Um, yeah. And so the next round is 10 at 10 o'clock, uh, when they have to set the rosters as they start the next series that Chris Hale will go back on. All righty. That does it for bleacher tweets. Shout outs to Henry J. Uh, at Henry hopes it and uh, Brett, who is going through nursing school, both listening to the pod daily. Appreciate everyone for writing in. Keep those tweets coming. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets as you're watching the NL Wild Card game tonight. That's it for today. My thanks to David and to Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something that we need to fight against every single day. Thanks for listening to the Baseball Tonight podcast. If you're playing fantasy baseball, check out the Fantasy Focus podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. The Baseball Tonight podcast. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.